Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, with Villa, it's never dull. It's only been a matter of a few days, but Villa do have their man, their new head coach, that being Steven Gerrard. Um, I'm sure no one's ever heard of him in the history of football before. Um, nonetheless, it's an interesting appointment. So hopefully you guys can enjoy this for the next 20, 25 minutes or so, or longer, knowing how we rant on at times. But anyways, I try to put a cap on these sometimes. Yeah, it's an interesting appointment. Uh, personally, just very quickly, it does give me that Tim Sherwood-esque vibes at times, not as extreme and not as bad with that kind of concern. But nonetheless, it kind of gives me that essence, if it will. But anyways, of course, we do have... Seb Bacon here as well as Danny Raza. Everyone loves when Danny Raza is back on here. So I had to beg him to get back on for one of these because I know he is a busy, busy man. So Danny, let's go to you first. How's it going? And what are your thoughts on this appointment? Hey, come on, man. I, I, I asked to be on the podcast specifically today to talk about Steve Gerrard. Uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I think, I think it was one of those ones where I think people were wondering whether it was going to drag on or not. I know I had a couple of messages from friends today saying, you know, you know, it'll probably be kind of next week or so. But I said, look, it's going to happen today. It's going to happen today. I think it's been clear from the onset since Dean Smith's left. Um, as soon as Steven Gerrard's name was put out there, it's been it's been pretty clear to most of us that, uh, you know, he's the he's the name on the list. He's the name that, that Christian Perslow is interested in. Um, and he's in many ways very much sort of a perfect fit for Villa. You know, he kind of fits in with the philosophy of, wanting to bring through young players. He, he, he did he did that with the Liverpool Academy. And uh, obviously, he's a, he's a big name who's big enough to manage the personalities that are in the Villa dressing room uh, and have obviously been underperforming. So I think whilst I do have a few concerns about it, I think it's all part of the risk. And sometimes you have to take that chance on a manager and uh, that, that's how you find the big ones, isn't it? You know, when um, when Southampton sell, uh, sacked Nigel Adkins all them years ago and brought in an, um, brought in a foreign coach no one had ever heard of, well, you know, their, their fans were fuming. So now Dean Smith, obviously Villa's hero, is gone and, and you've brought in a manager who's unproven in the Premier League. Uh, I'd just say to all the fans, have a bit of patience. You never know what this could turn into, especially with a, with a name as big as Steven Gerrard and, and, and a winner, a Champions League winner at that. Uh, who's going to be expecting big things in the locker room. Yeah, absolutely. And if you didn't know this already, um, Danny's actually recording this on his phone, sitting outside Bodymore Heath to see who's coming and going. Just kidding, but he's actually recording this on his phone. I just wanted to say that and see what kind of a facial expression I could get out of him today on that. But anyways, Seb, how's it going for you? And like I said to Danny, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm good. I, I like the fact that we targeted our man early and went out and got him no dilly-dallying no faffing about it seemed as though he was the one that Perslow wanted from the off 
it it intrigues me to wonder whether they'd had conversations prior to Dean Smith's departure because of the manner of how quick and swift his his coming in was. Obviously, his backroom staff as well. Rangers fans seem to be quite upset with the fact that Michael Beale is leaving and also Gary McAllister. So Gerard's bringing with him, you know, a whole range of experience and know-how into that dressing room. It's not just Steven Gerrard we've got to remember. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone really knows how this is going to pan out, but I get the feeling it's going to be exciting either way. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things with Villa, you just never know. Um, I, I think the one thing that's important to mention, of course, he signed on a three-and-a-half-year deal. Um, like Seb briefly touched on, he brings assistant Gary McAllister, first-team coach Michael Beal, head of fitness Jordan uh, Milsham, set-piece coach Tom Colshaw, and first-team performance analyst Scott Marson as well. Um, it looks like that's it for there looks like uh, Neil Cutler will stay on as well, which everyone today is very, very happy about um, more news on that. Hopefully later, because it actually looks like Dean Smith is being interviewed for the Norwich job as well. So he could join him um, in that part of the UK as well. We'll have to wait and see, but uh, although, although yeah. that, that, that is very much uh, the two, the two uh, arch rivals, arch enemies who just seem to keep meeting each other. That is very much, at the moment, as we speak, a two-horse race between Dean Smith and Frank Lampard. Yeah. So, you know, some, some sources saying it's very much Frank Lampard's job, that, you know, those two meeting again. Well, I, I, c- I kind of hope it is, to be honest, Danny, because let's be honest, Norwich is probably a sinking ship at this point, and every, whoever takes over knows they're probably going to the championship and they have a job <laughs> to get them back job. up. Yeah, so, I mean, and to be honest, if I look at Dean Smith quickly, just to say I kind of hope he just takes the rest of this season off unless something too good kind of comes up to pass on, to be honest. I think there'll be better jobs and better projects probably in the summer like there always is. But back to Gerard, apparently it's a three to four million pound compensation for him and his staff from Rangers, of course. Um, he's I've been heard 4.5 million, by oh. the way. So it's going to rise. It's going to be 10 million tomorrow or something at this rate. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, that's really it. His first game, of course, will be against Brighton on November 20th. Um, It's an interesting one for me. I mean, when when it comes to Villa and managers, it's not like we go after your your Mourinho's or your Peps or any one of that kind of ilk. I was saying this just said before recording, and Danny, let me know what you think about it. To me, Steven Gerrard's a big name, but he also isn't in a sense. Obviously, as a player, he is. But as a manager, we all know what he's done at Rangers to an extent. I think he has something like a a 64.77% win ratio. He's won like 125 games and like 192 matches that he's managed. Of course, it is the Scottish Premiership. So we know it's basically a two or three horse race at the best of times. Um, He's won one trophy out of the potential nine that he could and that includes the Europa League for the last couple seasons he got uh, Rangers past of course the knockout stages last season I think they're well on track this season to do the same but kind of back to what I said before Danny he's a he's a big name but he isn't in a managerial sense yet yeah of course um <laughs> no I think <laughs> <laughs> I can see you planning that for ages I wasn't planning it um, look, I think, I think, I think Gerard, in terms of what he's achieved as a manager, if you ask Rangers fans if he's a big name in, in, in the world of football management, I'm sure they'd tell you, yeah, of course, 
right? I mean, look, at the end of the day, he he, he really has taken Rangers um, back to where I believe, you know, where, where their fans will believe they belong. You know, he, he has turned the old firm into a proper two-horse race in Scotland again. Uh, and, you know, I think the only thing I would say is that the kind of strategy he would have implemented there is not necessarily the same kind of thing you can you can do with Villa. You can't necessarily work that strategy of bringing in veterans like Jermaine Defoe and filling it in with kind of loanies from Liverpool as well. I'm not saying that that's all he did, but, you know, that's that's one of those things where now you're at a higher level, now you're in the Premier League, you're talking about maintaining high-level performance. And, yeah, he's a big name as a player, and I think because of that, we will see players perform for him. We will see sort of uh, the the Leon Baileys who are new at the club kind of wanting to impress him. You know, Anwar or Ghazi will want to impress him. Of course, you know, the the, the kinds of players who, who 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 work off that, who who want to work hard. You know, look at the defence and, and you think about the kind of mistakes which have been made. You know, are they going to be uh, making those same mistakes with Steven Gerrard? You know, now that, now that Dean Smith's gone, you know, are Mings and Konza's and Matty targets places. For example, I'm not I'm not having to go at any of them, but are their places as safe? Because new manager, new system, new rules, right? All those players who are in the back will, will recognize that Steven Gerrard, legend of football, is is there as the manager, and he can recognize if they're not performing. He can recognize if they're not trying their hardest. Uh, and also when it comes to January, look, the, the caliber of players that, that he's probably able to attract is probably better than what Dean Smith is able to. Now, where I am ever so slightly worried is Dean Smith has a much longer career than him so far. You know, he's, he has done things which, uh, you know, what he did at Brentford, what he's done at Villa to, to kind of take us from where we were. Uh, look, that's always going to be compared by Villa fans. But I don't think, and I think that, I think the main concern from all Villa fans is that we don't quite know whether Gerard is there yet. We don't quite know whether he's there yet. Even now, everybody's talking about this appointment. All the media is talking about this appointment in the context of a Liverpool context. You know, if he does well here, is he going to go to Liverpool? If he doesn't do well here, they'll say, well, you know, he was unproven in the first place. You know, Villa is his proving ground now. This is his first massive test. Uh, He passed at Rangers for sure. But I think in many ways, this is a much bigger test because if you come to the Premier League, and you get relegated, and you can't cut it in the Premier League, it doesn't necessarily matter what you did before. Yeah, true. And Seb, I'll spin it a different way to you. Um, I'm not going to pretend you're a Rangers expert or anything like that, but Rangers are a massive club. They are a massive institution in their own right. Um, most would say it's unfortunate that them and Celtic are basically in a league that they have basically support in their own. Maybe you could throw Aberdeen in that as well to some kind of extent. Um when you look at that, do you think being at a big club already um, managerial wise, I don't really want to touch on his playing career. Cause of course that can come kind of into a little bit of assistance in terms of big game mentality and things like that. But from a managerial standpoint, do you think that puts him in good stead at least to know he's kind of been under that boil seat if it was, or that hot seat. I don't know what a boil seat anyways, but anyways, save me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I do, I do think it has an impact. I really do because, I mean, you can always type a sort of gauge what sort of character you're getting from the opposition fans that you're losing him off. I mean, Rangers were 
almost a bit like Villa fans when we lost Grealish. They were in the denial stage and they were almost kind of desperate not to lose him, which I think shows something that he's got about him. And, you know, he went unbeaten with Rangers, something that hasn't happened in God knows how many years. And he almost swung the tie on um, over Celtic, beating them, I think it was four times out of five last season. Or I think I think that's correct, but pull me up if it's not. But um, so, yeah, he, he shifted almost the dominance of Scotland and that's something that hasn't been done for many, many years. So, you know, he's gained the experience of lifting a big club and almost helping it reach its potential. And that's almost what he's got to do here. But obviously, with a bigger audience, you know, the Premier League, there's no hiding for if it does go wrong. So he's got to almost find a way to get the players playing in his system that he wants. He's got to get his ideas across quickly, which won't be easy, by the way, because we've got a lot of key men out on international duty at the moment who won't come back until a few days before the Brighton game. So he hasn't got much to work with at the moment, but as long as he gets his feet in, he gets stuck in and he gets almost his ground rules established within the club, then, you know, that can only set him off in the right foot. Oh, hundred percent. And I think it's one of those things too, where obviously the, the board and ownerships and obviously fans want to see it as well is European football. He has a bit of experience with that. Now, obviously you have to get to that point. It's a lot easier in Scotland to do it than it is in the Premier League. It's a completely different kettle of fish, but we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But like Danny said before, it's going to be all about patience. It's going to be kind of working things out. We know that he likes to play in a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 kind of style. It kind of rotates from what I've noticed. And I talked to a couple of Rangers fans over the last couple of days. Uh, one was 10 times more gutted than the other one. One was more accepting. Both, both lovely people, I should say. Um, and it's interesting to see their mentality on it because you do see this at from time to time where a manager will leave um, at midway through a season, earlier on a season, whenever, and go to another club. And uh, some Rangers fans seem to understand it, some don't. But at the end of the day, it's his own ambitions. And to kind of tie that all in with the whole Liverpool thing and some Villa fans saying he's using us as a stepping stool and yada, yada, yada. Well, realistically, the the truth behind it all is, is Jurgen Klopp can probably be at Liverpool for as long as Jurgen Klopp wants to be, unless it goes completely wrong somehow, which I don't see it. We have him for three and a half years, three and a half seasons, whatever. That, that's a long time. And realistically, if you look at a managerial appointment, unless it's a Guardiola or a Klopp or uh, managers of that ilk, realistically, we probably wouldn't have had the next manager for that long anyways. And you know what? If he's a success, it means he's doing something right. He, it means he's meeting his objectives. And it means realistically, we could be in Europe or very, very close to finally breaking that again. So we all have to kind of take those things into consideration. And I think that's important because, albeit I look at the job Dean Smith has done and then what he's kind of done this season and, I think losing Grealish and still aiming for Yep was probably, I don't know, hard to achieve in my mindset. I think the one thing there, you look at Dean Smith, I think him and the owners, in my opinion, and this is me looking at it, Danny, let me know what you think. I think him and the owners had a different kind of mindset of how this season's going to play out. In my mind, I think he thought in Dean Smith that it was going to be more of a kind of 
a recovery season. Let's see if we can finish around maybe 12th to 10th or 9th or something like that. And then we'll push on from there. And I think the board was thinking, you know what, even without him, we've invested this. It's it's time to hit Europe. But what do you think about that? Yeah, I just I don't think it's viable to to aim like that. I think I think the minute you start talking about, you know, wanting top half football or wanting, you know, wanting to finish mid table, I think that's that's pessimism right there. Because, you know, you should be aiming higher. You know, why not? You know why? Why? Why don't Villa have the same, have the capacity to kind of challenge up there? You know, Danny Ings hasn't come to finish tenth. You know, I mean, and look, you know, it's it's one of those things where now now it seems like it would probably be a good position after all those defeats. But Danny Ings, Leon Bailey, Emmy Buendia, they didn't come to Villa to finish mid table. And at the end of the day, Villa keep finishing twelfth, thirteenth, whatever it is. Players will start leaving. Your best players start leaving, and then. You know, then you say the next season is a recovery season, uh, and I think I think basically at the start of the season it, it looked like it was European football what Villa wanted, but as Dean Smith started getting under pressure, I, I think that narrative slightly seemed to change, um, and and you know that that has got you have got to factor into that context that there has been so many injuries since the start of the season, but the fact of the matter is this: Villa have been rolling over. They've been rolling over at, at the first sign of of. Um, of a team having a go at them. And, and that's bad. You know, I don't care how many players are out injured. You can't, you can't just roll over like that. You know, at the very least, Villa have had, um, have had the defence that they want. You know, they've had the midfield that they want. Yeah, you know, okay, Bailey has been injured, but, you know, there, there's still no excuses, you know, at the end of the day. We've, we've still had Ollie Watkins available, <laughs> and he's hardly been banging him in. That you know that Villa have underperformed, and with that team, with the investment, with the with the with the kind of figures that that Villa have spent on those players, it's not good enough. And but this is this is where I do worry about Gerard. You know what what makes them think that Gerard is going to be the guy that's gonna is going to lift Villa into Europe? I I haven't seen anything that suggests he's going to be able to do that. Now I guess with his coaching staff and and. With, with what he was able to achieve at Rangers, you are taking that risk. Can he keep that same kind of winning mentality at Villa, even, even in, a, um, in a more difficult league? I don't know. Um, but I think when you think about realistic expectations for the season, it is back down to mid-table. Um, I don't know. I don't know right now um, what I'd take at the end of the season. But for Gerard to have a successful season, Villa needs to finish at least sort of 12th, 11th at the very least. Top half is a proper successful season for me, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing, too, when you look at it and you sit there and, of course, we're, what, 10 games in or 11 games in, whatever it is. Um, I think, like you said before, Danny, it's patience. But I think just as much as that, it's important at some point that we go on a bit of a run. And I think it has to be a string of two or three or four games where things start clicking. I think that's the way that everyone just buys into this more. Of course, maybe it won't happen or maybe it does, but at the end of the day, that's one thing. The other thing that I actually heard, I can't remember if it was on a podcast or something. I read that even I think at the Southampton game, I think uh, Leon Bailey was only like at like 40 or 50% like fitness or something still like he's still not fully there. And like, and like you said, Danny, it's wild to think that, but at the same time, international break aside we do still have the likes of Ings and Watkins there that he can start to work with and at least for me that's gonna be one of the most interesting things is to see Seb how he's gonna line up but for you 
looking at Steven Gerrard, what's the biggest kind of job from a kind of um, style of player positionally that he kind of has on his hands right now? I mean, I don't want to point out the obvious, but I think it's a midfield, isn't it? Not only with him being a midfielder, but that's the area that we've highlighted in recent weeks, even you know, whilst Dean Smith was still in charge, that we need to improve in summer. We were saying we needed a new midfielder. Then Ramsey came back and he looked really promising. So we were going, okay, maybe the club got this right. They played the patient game and maybe it's paid off. And obviously things didn't work out as we'd expected and Ramsey got injured. But if he can get that midfield work, if he can get a stable midfield three, uh, because you know, if he plays the 4-3-3, which he's well-renowned to, if he can find a midfield three that is able to dominate possession and offensively and defensively and is able to move the ball onto the front foot quickly, I think that's something we've really lacked. So if he can get the figures working there, I mean, obviously Sanson might be able to come back into play because he was left out after Dino. be interesting to see whether Gerrard takes a liking to Sanson or whether he has a problem with him as well because then we then we're able to see whether it's the player's mentality or whether or whether it just was that Dean Smith didn't fancy him for whatever reason so if he can find a stable midfield three and get them working and get us to transition the ball into the other half of the play quicker then that can only be a positive oh absolutely and Daniel throw this right back to you I think for me too, and I don't know how you feel, but I feel like the midfield is going to be the biggest thing. And I know some people I've heard online and on other podcasting as a mid former midfielder himself, Gerard maybe can kind of have a little bit more understanding of what it takes to be in a successful midfield partnership and all that kind of stuff. I guess it helps to some extent, but do you think any particular player might be at risk or do you think this is going to be one thing where, and like for me personally, I feel like we're going to get a midfielder in January and it's going to be someone who's going to break up play or something like that. But where do you sit with it? Yeah, there's no more hiding. It's no secret that there hasn't been enough running this season. It's no secret that Villa have looked overrun in the start of games, looked lazy. I don't, I'm not saying they're lazy, by the way. I'm saying looked lazy. It's been lackadaisical. You know, they've been run through. At the start of every single game, for the first five minutes, it seems like the team's not there. The first half of every game, it seems as though we're managing barely two shots on target and and over and over again it just seems like the midfield's too easy to run through Douglas Louise has plenty of good um, attributes to him can't necessarily break up play John McGinn he's tenacious he's got a lot of energy when he when he when he wants to when he wants to use it but can get sloppy when it comes to passing the ball marvelous Nakamba again his passing isn't quite there but he's okay uh, but you know he, he he can he's kind of you know what he you know what he's there to do he can break up play a little bit um, but uh, in a two in a midfield two I'm not too sure about him. Steve Gerrard is not going to accept four performances from them. Morgan Sanson is probably the guy who I think stakes to to benefit from this more than anybody. Jacob Ramsey as well will definitely uh, benefit from his mentorship. But already I've named you five central midfielders there. When January comes along. I think it could get interesting because I think Steven Gerrard is the quintessential midfielder who can do everything. He used to break up play himself. He used to um, create goals. He used to score goals. He's a great passer of the ball. Um, and if anybody can identify what's wrong with that midfield and what it needs, it's him. So uh, I think when he goes to the board in January and says, look, I'm, I'm, I need 20, 30 million for a, 
for a centre midfielder, they'll, they'll give it to him. It doesn't necessarily have to be a James Ward-Prowse who's going to cost you 40, 50. You know, I think he'll have, he'll have identified guys who can come in and, and do a good job. I'd like to see him revitalise John McGinn a little bit. I'd like to see John McGinn become more of an all-round midfielder. Um, but I think a lot of it is going to have to start with some hard work. And I just hope that his backroom staff, Gary McAllister, uh, Michael Beal, can recognise that, that Villa probably needs need a bit more fitness and look he's um he's uh taken some inspiration from Jurgen Klopp he plays a much higher pressing game as well sometimes it's going to be different in the Premier League but I genuinely think that's where it starts and it might be that we need a midfield three uh, and if that's the case we'll definitely get another midfielder in yeah it's interesting too because um before coming on I watched a few um rangers highlights while i was on a work call because i didn't have to say anything i just had to sit there and listen to people talk and yeah that's very professional of me but anyways um i was kind of watching them obviously and sitting there and thinking the one thing i noticed was it was more of a flat three so it wasn't with like a central attacking midfielder that's going to be the most kind of interesting thing for me because every time i've seen us kind of line up with three in the middle it's usually always been with one of them way advanced compared to the others so if you have three of them back, I think that's the one thing I sit there in January and look at and think if you can get someone that can really sit there and that's real quality, I, I just think it frees up the likes of McGinn and Louise to do their thing. And I think that's when we can see the real Dougie Louise, in my opinion. But we'll have to wait and see. The jury's still out on that one. But uh, anyways, guys, let's go to uh, Twitter here before we wrap things up. I just kind of quickly put something out and wanted people's thoughts or if they had any questions more people had thoughts so we'll read that one out everyone likes an opinion um let's see here uh at seth 410 saying i've actually heard of him so that's like well that it has to be good um let's go to um ashton saying hope he doesn't suck ashton we hope he all doesn't suck uh pam saying getting used to the idea let's wait and see and then we'll finish on um let's go to uh speak reason uh, I think it's a good appointment. Backroom staff will be the brains and Steven Gerrard will be the figurehead. We need to gel quickly under whatever play style he implements. We need strategy for player upgrades as some not good enough youth implementation into first team needs a clear pathway. So thanks to everyone that got involved in regards to that. There are a few other ones, um, but it was just a quick thing I put up. So always appreciated. But uh, anyways, Seb, Danny. Um, anything else you guys want to mention before we uh, head off on this one? I don't know, Cole. Is there anything else? You're looking at me in a puzzling way like I should know. So please do tell. I'm going to get off to play Mario Kart, isn't he? Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to go play some Mario Kart. But like, (laughs) this is a a little midweek podcast, isn't it? No, I think think Steven Gerrard, I think it's one of those ones which, you know, during the week I was kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I, I just, I want to put, I think one of the things that's prevented me from enjoying it is like, all of this has been, as I say, like so much of this has been talked about in a Liverpool context that it makes it hard to even <laughs> figure out. Why you know, I can't even find the analysis. Why I can't even <laughs> find the analysis to kind of see how we do it, Villa. Sorry, Danny, but do you, do either of you guys think it was completely odd? I meant to bring this up and I forgot to write it down. That they tweeted out a, like they even made yeah, a, a little article that. about... Like, does that not give you like proud sun yeah. vibes? And it's like an awkward no. picture of him, like <laughs> it's it's annoying. And I think the other thing, the other thing is, right? 
you know, you could say it's a win-win situation if he does well and gets the Liverpool job. You know, Villa have done well and then, you know, they'll move on and find someone else that's fine, whatever. Um, but I think, like, there's no God-given right to that to that job for Steven Gerrard. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you know, like, if, if Jurgen Klopp doesn't do doesn't do well for some reason or whatever and leaves in a couple of seasons, like, Steven Gerrard shouldn't just get that job because he's Steven Gerrard. Like, he'll be interviewed like like the rest of the candidates. Pep Guardiola might be out of a job and they might go for him instead. You never know, right? And, like, you know, he's obviously got to do well at Villa first. You know, they're asking whether it's a risk for him or a risk for Villa. I mean, bloody hell, this is a, this is a great opportunity for Steven Gerrard. Yeah, he could have kept on, you know, winning titles at Rangers or whatever, but that people will be saying the same thing in a couple of years' time. At the end of the day, you've got a well-backed Premier League club coming for you who... Let's be honest, aren't really at risk of relegation. Like Steven Gerrard, if Villa get relegated, it's because Steven Gerrard screwed up, right? Steve, all Steven Gerrard needs to do <laughs> is come in and, and do a competent job and he, and he makes a good start here. This is a team with plenty of backing, a lot of talent in the team. Yeah, all right, they've not been performing. Yeah, all right, they're going to need a kick up the backside. Um, and also a team with one of the best, you know, one of the best outlets in terms of youth, youth development. Uh, and arguably the best in the country. Um, I won't say I won't say that for certain, but arguably. So Stephen Gerrard's coming in here with a, with a great opportunity. Of course, he's going to accept the job. Of course, uh, of course, it's a good opportunity for him. It's not. It's not a massive risk for him. Uh, so yeah, I just want to. I just want to say that, like Liverpool fans, this isn't about you. This isn't about Liverpool. <laughs> this is about Villa. Fair enough. Fair enough, Danny. All I could say is the whole time you briefly mentioned relegation. I just thought back to because I used to listen to the whole cast before I was on it. And I just recall you and James like chatting about Luton and things like that. Do you want to do that again? <laughs> Man, there was a time when we were genuinely in danger of relegation from the championship. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Talking about how you stay up. We <laughs> could have fantastic you know? away days such as Wickham and who else is in lead one? Sunderland are still down there. So I guess that's not new. Um I don't know who's in even League One these I'll days. I'll take Oxford. a Plymouth Argyle away day. They're, they're quite close to me. That's only about half an hour down the road. <laughs> okay. Well, you can become an Argyle fan because I never want that day <laughs> to happen. But anyways, guys, we'll, we'll wrap things up there. This was just meant to be a quick one. It never is with us. We like to ramble and chat and do everything that uh, doesn't have anything usually to do with what we're talking about. So we'll let Danny go back to or get to his Mario Kart games, I should say. <laughs> um, Seb can have his nappy time and I can go back to work. But anyways, we'll leave it there. Thank you guys for joining me, of course. Uh, keep donating um, to Acorns as well. We'll have or we'll be pushing that mainly in December, of course, and you'll see that last one on social media. So yeah, keep doing that. You'll see us or hear from us, I should say, hopefully very soon. And don't forget, up the villa. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free warbyparker.com slash covered.